Start again, start again, begin. Start again, everyone. Welcome to Caterpillar Goo. I'm Rod Hayden. And I'm Flora. And today we're talking to Amy Hayden Nost. Amy is my sister-in-law. She's married to my sister, Renee. When you first found out that your sister was going to marry a woman, what were your thoughts? I thought it was cool. I thought it was great that she had had found love again after divorce. I didn't know that that was where I was going to, but I thought it was great that she had later in life found what she really wanted and pursued it. Did your sister always date women and did Amy always date women? My sister did not always date women. She was married to the father of her children. And then after that relationship ended, she came to visit us in Texas and was surprised because she said she had brought a friend, but the friend was at the hotel. And I thought, well, why, why would the friend be at the hotel? Why wouldn't you bring the friend to the... But then I found out later that she was nervous about introducing her and uh, she was somewhat more than a friend. And then we met Amy. Yay. <laughs> Talking about finding love after divorce, I feel like in my experience, tell me what you think, that you are um, more of yourself and more of, um, you know more what you want, who you are. and. So you tend to get a partner who is more compatible, or, or maybe it comes with age, finding love at, um, I don't know, after 30s, after 40s. It's different than when you find love in your 20s. And in, I think our generation, we would get married in our 20s, find love and marry in our 20s and have kids by mid-20s, late-20s. I don't know. Now I feel like that might be too young. We don't really know who we are yet at that time, at that age. I definitely didn't know. Amy said that when uh, she and Renee were doing online dating, they uh, they actually kind of stumbled into each other when they were living 2,600 miles apart, which has its complications. But she said she made a point to say that both of them were extremely honest in their profiles. And I think that that's something that's easier to do later in your 30s or 40s than it is in your 20s. You're so concerned about what people think about you. At least I was yeah. concerned about what people think about me in my 20s to, to really have that kind of self-aware honesty. I agree. Yep, we're so caught up on external things that we are not true. And we, I don't even think we even realize that we're not being true to ourselves until much later. For me, it was probably mid-30s, late-30s when I started becoming more myself, becoming more confident and expressing my opinions and thoughts and not worrying too much about what other people thought. Yeah, that's something I definitely like about Amy. She's very she's very confident. She's very, very much herself. And I like her sense of style. She dresses well. I aspire to dress my... I got, I got some new shoes that are very sharp. I think Amy would approve. 
everybody at work's like, what are you doing wearing shoes that look like that? <laughs> <laughs> Those are some nice looking shoes. <clears throat> Fancy. Thank you. I quite enjoy them. Growing up, did you know anyone who was gay? And what was your thought you know, before when it wasn't talked about as much? I would think it wasn't in the media. Um, I don't know. I feel like there is more awareness, more rights now than it was when we were growing up, like in middle school, high school. So did you know anyone who was gay? I was thinking about that when I was listening to and editing the interview and and she's talking about coming up in the 70s and 80s. And I thought my understanding of what it's like to be gay for, for a long part of my life came from television like it, particularly i would say jack tripper from three's company was my understanding of what it meant to be gay wait jack tripper was gay <laughs> <laughs> no jack tripper pretended to be gay so that mr mr roper would let him live in the apartment oh, yeah. remember he was a he I was forgot. a ladies man he was I a man forgot about that part right so he had a, a very stereotyped portrayal when he was pretending to mr roper or mr furley that he was gay it was a very stereotyped um perception of what it means to be gay and that was that was my understanding of homosexuality until probably late teens early 20s i don't know <laughs> like i didn't i didn't know anybody that i knew at the time was gay does that make sense like there's people that i could probably go back and think now oh he might have been gay but i don't think i knew anybody that i knew at the time was gay that was out to me or you know publicly either male or female i don't think i knew anybody what about you yes i did i did know someone who was gay in high school he didn't come out until we were in college we're still very good friends, although we don't keep in touch as much anymore. Uh, and he, when he did come out, it was very challenging for him. It was a hard. It was, his family rejected him. Uh, he would get beat up. He would. He was in an abusive gay relationship. Um, he had very low self esteem, and I am so happy for him and so proud of him that he came out of that. I'm so happy for him that he actually found a partner that he loves, adore, and who also adores and loves and respects him. They got married um, 15 years ago, I believe. I can't remember now. And then um, they have two girls, and they're very happy together. And look how far he's come. Very proud of him. That's awesome. I thought when... I when I started this project with Amy, I thought that that would be her story. I thought that was such a common story for people growing up and you know coming out and all of that kind of thing. That it was that it was hard. That it was a struggle. That it was full of um, angst and anxiety and pain. And I was surprised that that wasn't Amy's story. So it's uh, it was cool to get a different perspective and get a reminder that. Everybody is themselves. Like nobody is a representative of a, of a group. Nobody stands for anybody else. Everybody is themselves and their own. They their story is their story. 
That's cool. Here's Amy Hayden Nost. Enjoy. In theory, you know, uh, everybody thinks that I'm the one that quote unquote wears the pants in the family and all that other fun jazz because, well, you know, I may look pretty good in a suit and tie or a shirt and tie, but um, that doesn't mean, you know, I'm more manly and honestly, in, in our type of relationship, that's the whole idea is that there isn't that male person in the fa- in the relationship. I mean, honestly, she's the one that says, you know, I, walking down the street, people are like, oh yeah, you're gay. And they look at me, you're, you're gay. But she has to come out every single time. But she passes, she passes a straight woman. I mean, it, it's one of those, I mean, she'll even say, it. She's, she's like, yeah, you, you totally pass as gay. That's not a problem. People look at you and go, yeah, ding, you're done. She's like, where people look at me and go, so who's your husband? <laughs> and she's like, actually, that's my wife. <laughs> Renee, Renee's telling me to go upstairs, so. See, I told you I don't wear the pants in the family. <laughs> Well, actually, in this family, we're pants and kilts. But then again, some of the big, burly, hairy dudes that we hang out with wear kilts as well. So that's that's an okay thing. What's 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 more dainty and feminine than doing like bench presses and back squats and deadlifts? <laughs> and in all actuality, every woman should be doing that anyway because it's good for their muscular structure as well as their bone growth. Being sedentary is not good, ever. I mean, I hate that I have to work behind a desk and, you know, work with the computer all day. But that's only eight hours out of my day. After that, I usually leave and we go to the gym and we work out for at least an hour or so. We do weight over bar, weight for distance, um, well, heavy weight and lightweight for distance, um, sheaf, uh, stone, whether it's open or bremer, um, hammer throw, and then caber. Caber is the small tree. We've done the whole ancestry DNA thing, and I'm like 93% British Isles, which covers England, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland, in which like I think 55 or 60% of it is Scottish and Irish. So yeah. I'm I'm kind of heavy on that that ethnicity, um, but yeah, I mean we we got into it because we decided hey there was a, a Celtic festival over in Gulfport, Mississippi, and um, we went let's go see what's going on over there. So we went and we went and wandered around the festival, ate the foods, and had a couple beers, and we started watching some of the Highland Games. And I'm like, I was watching them do wait over bar. And I was watching this and I'm like, it's just like the kettlebell snatch, but you let it go. I said, 
I, I think I could do that. And Renee's like, okay, then let's get information and find out where, where the next one is. And so the next one, because um, that was like November, the next one was in March in Dothan, Alabama. And so I was like, okay, then we're going to practice with whatever we can practice with. And so we started, I took a couple kettlebells home and I took just a sledgehammer to use as a hammer and went out to a baseball field and started throwing stuff and started figuring it out. And then I competed that in Dothan. And then afterwards, Renee's like, I want to do it too. <laughs> I went, okay, then you, let's both do it. It's not a big deal. And so um, the next competition was in April in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So we both we drove up there and we both competed up there. And we've been just doing it since. It's fun. I mean, it really is fun. And it's such a small group. Um, they're very supportive of one another. Um, and, you know, around here, when we go to the games in the different areas, we see the same folks. And so it's kind of like, you know, friends getting together. We'd all, you know, go out to dinner the night before, and then we meet on the field for competition the next day. And then, you know, have a cold beer that night, the night afterwards. We train together. So now, after doing this for about a year or so, we've actually gotten to the point where it's like, okay, she's trying to do weight over bar, or I'm trying to do weight over bar, and we don't hit it. But the other person's watching go, okay, it peaked at this point, so you need to take a, take a, a step either forwards or backwards. And so it's like, okay, cool. And so we, you know, make the adjustment, take a big swing, boom, and it makes it. And I was like, okay, there you go. <laughs> I, I don't really think about gender identities necessarily. It's like you, you have the, the 1950s stereotypes of, you know, what a mom's supposed to be and what a dad's supposed to be. But the things progressed over the ages and the years. And I, I don't think that is something that is a, a, a common thought now, necessarily, with gender roles. I mean, uh, friends of mine at work, we we're talking that, you know, being in a you know, same-sex relationship is common practice. It's, okay, you wouldn't think of this back in 1950 or 1960. But you see that every day now. You see, you know, Target commercials. You see airline commercials. So it's not really a thing anymore. It's one of those, you, you can be whatever you want to be, however you want to be it. You don't have to be limited by what gender you were born. I've, I've got pictures of, you know, the, the whole class pictures of going through, you know, middle school and high school. And it's like, no, no, I just, I mean, you can see picture after picture of I'm, I'm, I am just who I am. You know, I've heard about people, I've had a horrible childhood or I had a horrible time when I was in high school. Yeah, I can't relate because I didn't. And I know most people would be like, how is that possible? It's 100% possible because I just didn't, 
I didn't have that situations. I mean, I, I, I mean, I grew up right outside of DC, and so it's one of those. It was, you know, I would say fairly open. I mean, even my my middle sister, which is four years older than me, her best friends were a whole bunch of gay guys. Okay, she'd go clubbing with them and had a blast. And that was back in the '80s, which was way before you know anything blew up and exploded. In reference to the same-sex culture, but I grew up there, and then I got then I moved out to Colorado for 12 years. There wasn't anything that somebody went, "Oh, by the way, you can't be this way, or you can't be that way, or you have to do this, or you can't do that." I pretty much wore whatever clothes I wanted to, except there were a couple occasions where my father was very, very, you know, stern with, "Okay, this is a big event; you have to wear a dress." And I went,、uh, no, no, no! Don't make me! Don't make me! Of course, because you know me and dresses were not a thing. Then I, you know, came home from school after getting class pictures of my dress and put on my jeans and t-shirt and my boots and went out and rode my motorcycle. <laughs> so it all worked out. It, you know, no harm, no foul. It's just the way it was. It was just me. Didn't matter who you were. Everybody played, you know,、uh, pickle. With with a baseball, and hopefully you didn't hit the window <laughs> or hit each other. You know, you played kickball on the park down the street. Yeah, it, it's you know there was no oh well girls get picked last or boys get picked first or no, it's everybody plays. I grew up in a really weird society, or maybe that was just my fog of, of of consciousness of it. Maybe I just like lived in that little bubble world, or a, a, a cloudy day, you know, the the cloud over my head, and I just didn't notice. It's like, okay, people are people, okay. We grow up, so that means we have to buy bigger clothes and bigger shoes, okay. I was actually stationed at the Air Force Academy. That was my first duty station, and then after being there for about four years,、um, I got sent down to Peterson Air Force Base, which is on the south side of town. I was a contracting officer, so I got to buy, buy supplies and services and did construction there. I bought their space simulation chamber for their physics department, and then I bought their.、Uh, Lasers. It was a, a, a laser machine that actually helped the physics students、um, learn about wavelengths. And then, of course, I had stairs built on the terrazzo between the dining hall and the terrazzo, with heating elements in them. So, because they're granite and you can't shovel granite, so they had to have heating elements underneath. So when the snow and ice would come on. They would flip a switch. The heating elements would heat up the stone and、um, remove the snow and ice. Those were like pivotal moments at the academy. But I mean, I, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I had a lot of fun doing my job,、um, working and contracting. And then I, you know, went down to Peterson and did more advanced stuff. And then I also.、Uh, 
uh, was one of the procurement agents for uh, the Cheyenne Mountain facility as well, because that's Peterson kind of covered that too. I was in the Air Force active duty for almost 10, and then I've been out of the reserves for just over three. Um, uh, air transportation, that, that's, that's like the official title. Pretty much anything that has to do with getting things on and off of airplanes, that's what we do. Whether it's people, cargo, special stuff, rolling stock, like if, I mean, if they had like tanks or um, any type of vehicles that needed to get to a destination, we would load them up and then the plane would take off. I drive a forklift. I can drive all the forklifts. I can drive um, uh, Halverson's, which are 25K loaders. Yeah, all that cool, fun stuff. And then I got out of the military in 2001. That was like 15, almost 16 years. That was to raise my kids. And that was, I was supposed to go on a 15-month short tour, is what they refer to it as. A long tour would be a full PCS with family and everything. Short tours in the active duty world, at least back then, I don't know if they still do them, um, were just like little, you know, 12 or 15 month stents at an alternate location. Kind of like a TDY, but it was a little more permanent. TDY is temporary duty station. <laughs> so, um, and PCS is permanent change of station. So um, I was scheduled to go somewhere for about 15 months and I kind of went, Eh, my kids are two and four and I really don't trust their dad to actually like raise them correctly. And so I went, okay, well, what are my options if I don't go? And they went, well, then you'll get out. And so I went, okay, for my kids sake, I'll get out. So I did. not married we live under the same roof and we had kids together once 20 and once 22 that was a long time ago and now she's now she's a mom of her own too well we are officially grandparents now that's crazy. And I actually held him the other day. I went, oh my God, he's so teeny tiny. What the hell? I'm like, how can a little human be so tiny? And he, I mean, honestly, at birth, he was as big as my, my first one. Same size, exactly. I'm like, I'm holding him like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, little tiny toes. I don't, it, it, it's a word, but it's kind of weird. And I probably won't feel that way until he says whatever. Because everybody's like, oh, well, what are you going to be called? I'm like, I have no idea. Well, that's what Renee's like. Um, I'm just going to be Renee. And I'm like, you know what? He's going to call you something and you're going to figure it out. And that's going to be your name. No, I, you know, Nana is a banana. A Nana is, is, is what a small child calls a banana. And I do not want to be called a banana. <laughs>
So I'm like, you know what? It, 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 if, you know, he utters the phrase, you know, whatever. I mean, I grew up with a red grandma and a white grandma because red grandma, of course, dyed her hair. So she had red hair and the other one had white hair. It made total sense. So, I, I, again, it'll be whatever is uttered out of his mouth. If, if he decides to call, just call me Amy, that's fine. Zero involvement. And Renee yells at me all the time. She's like, oh, my God. But, I mean, I, I know she was heavily involved in the whole AIDS thing in San Francisco. And she had people that were, you know, dying of it and have died of it. You know, I mean, that affected her a lot. Um, it didn't affect me at all. She goes, you just turned a blind eye to everything. I just cannot believe you didn't like you weren't a part of any of that and you didn't know about any of that. I'm like, nope, sorry. I mean, I didn't know of anyone that I grew up with or in the area or that I was friends with that had it or have it now. In high school, you know, Renee, uh, of course, Renee and I have totally different views when it comes to like high school and, you know, even middle school and going up. She was, you know, I mean, you know, where I was just kind of like, okay, I was in band and I played sports and I had good grades. So, yeah. And I hung out with the jocks. I hung out with the, 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 the theater nerds, you know, the drama kids, the chorus kids, the band kids, um, you know, even the rednecks. I was friends with everybody. It just didn't matter. It's like, if you were good people, I hung out with you. If you were bad people, I was going to tell you you were a bad person and you need to shape up. Before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was was slammed down and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is the hardcore policy. It really wasn't an issue. Nobody cared. And it wasn't like in the forefront of anyone's mind. But as soon as that came to headlines that, you know, Clinton's going to be, oh, nope, we don't have to ask this anymore. We're not going to ask it. You don't have to tell us. You just behave and watch your P's and Q's. Well, for the most part, people are like, okay, well, if you're not going to ask and I'm not going to tell you, then I can kind of live my life as long as it doesn't affect my job. Where, in all actuality, from, you know, being there in uniform at the time, it became a witch hunt. I mean, it was one of those people were seeking out people doing wrong. So they could go, oh, no, 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 he came out of his room or she came out of her room. It was more of that rather than, well, you know, we're not going to ask, so it doesn't really matter. And, you know, don't don't even give them an inkling of an idea that, that something may be happening because someone's going to go to OSI and go, hey, 
I saw Jane come out of Susie's room at, you know, six o'clock in the morning. Okay. And of course, now we're wasting OSI money and time by investigating something that, oh, they were just studying together. Who cares? I mean, uh, truthfully, yes, I was personally investigated, but it got tossed out. And I mean, they asked my roommate, because I, I had a female roommate. They even asked, they, they brought her in and they, you know, asked her questions. And then um, I had, you know, several of my friends go up there volunteering to say, hey, I want to put in a statement. And so it's like, pretty much at that point, it got tossed out. Because I had probably at least a half a dozen people go up and go, hey, I want to put, I want to voluntarily put in a statement for this person. And once they see all that come through, they're like, yeah, no, we're barking up the wrong tree here. <laughs> I was very happy when that ended, though. It's like, okay, so you're gay. So, and you do a good job. Okay, that's all that matters. We're almost 14 years later. So... But yeah, we actually met online um, way before like all the cool dating sites like Match.com and eHarmony. Um, there was a wonderful little site that um, apparently... I joined and I was fairly new. It was actually um, specifically, it's called butchfemmatchmaker.com. As funny as that is, it was an actual real website way in the early 2000s before, you know, all of this other stuff has come out. Um, and, you know, it, it, it matched, you know, more masculine and more feminine people together. If you and you can pick and choose, say, you know, you work quote-unquote butch, which is the more of masculine visual. If you liked other butches, you could say, that's what I'm interested in. Or if you were more feminine and you liked more feminine, then you could say, I was interested in more feminine. And, um, well, she messed up. <laughs> because she was uh, searching for new individuals that had joined the site to see if anybody intrigued her. Um, and she forgot to put in a zip code. So she pulled up all of the new people on this website rather than just new people within a, a certain proximity of her. And of course I popped up and she just looked at, looked at my picture I can even show you the picture. It cracks me up. She's like, that's the one that got me. I'm like, okay, whatever. It doesn't make a damn sense to me, but okay. Um, and then, you know, she clicked on my image and read through the profile and she went, damn it. Why do you got to be so far away? And then she went back and she re revamped her search and, you know, she did her own searches, but then she actually clicked on my link two more times. So she actually viewed my profile three times in the same night. I got home from work. And the cool part about this website was that 
if somebody had viewed your profile, you could see who had viewed your profile. Even if they didn't leave you a comment or leave you a message, you could see who it was. And so you're like, okay, well, who's been checking me out? You know, I mean, that's common, common, you know, sense. I look up and I'm like, wow, who are you? So I clicked on her profile and I read her profile. It was very, very honest, as was mine. And I was like, you know, she seems like a really cool person. Hmm. So I sent her a message and I went, hey, I viewed your, uh, you know, I, I viewed your profile. You seem like a really neat person. I would love to chat with you more. That's it. Knowing she is 2,600 miles away, it's never going to happen. Or at least the chances are like, you know, so, so far and few. I just, you know, she seems like a cool person to chat with. Okay. And then all of a sudden, whoop, she sends me a message back and I'm like, oh shit, she's online. <laughs> oh damn, that was fast. And, you know. Yeah, we started chatting. We chatted for probably five or six hours that night. Just just chatting on, on the web, just typing up words. That's all it was. We were both very, very truthful. But I had not said my name, nor had I given her my phone number. And so at the end of the conversation, I was like, well, I'd like to, I'd like to call you sometime. And she goes, okay. And she gives me all of her phone numbers. So I picked up my cell phone and called her. <laughs> she came across the country alone with her, with, uh, with the boys and the, and the three cats. My family's kind of different. I've introduced her to my mom, and um, my mom's actually come here to visit. Um, but uh, yeah, my, my my parents are Southern Baptist, and um, well, they they don't view this as a good thing. They they hope that um, the good Lord will uh, will cure me of this. <laughs> Well, and the, the thing is, is I was raised in, you know, a Catholic family. Catholic, it, you know, even, you know, growing up Catholic, it was no big deal. It was, you know, you just do what you do. As long as you're a good person, it didn't matter. You know, be kind, be good. And then once my parents changed their faith and converted over to Southern Baptist, they've been quite interesting folks, shall I say. <laughs> there, there's there's lots of gone on um, you know so I don't know if changing their their faith pattern has modified their perceptions and their you know the way they do things I think it does but you know as long as they're you know not harmful to each other I really don't care But yeah, I mean, I remember when Brene introduced me to you all when I drove up with her and the boys. Um, and uh, apparently the first night there was a huge gathering and it was a, a the, the chairs were set up in like a round circle, she told me. And she's like, it was so weird 
because we all sat around in a round circle and, and, and talked. I was like, okay. And she says, and I really wanted you to be there, but I really didn't want this to be focused on Renee Day. And oh my God, what, what crazy crap is Renee bringing into the family? And I was like, you know what? I'm fine. I'll just hang out at the hotel and just chill. If I go swimming, I'll go swimming. Don't, it doesn't matter. It's fine, whatever. You know, I'm not going to push this. And then apparently uh, she finally got your dad aside and went, I got a friend. <laughs> and he went, okay, who is it? And so they had a chat and talked about it. And that's when I met you guys at the Pancake House. And then I, I remember being grilled by um, Meg and Kathleen. They were sitting across the table from me. And it was like the fire question, 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 question. And I'm like, oh, crap. I didn't know I have a Kevlar vest for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it was like one of those, I, I kind of like, yeah, afterwards, it's like, when he's like, are, are you okay? And I'm like, I think so. I'm still in one piece. I, I think I'm okay. We had, we had decided we really wanted to get married after being together for a year, um, but we couldn't because there were only like two states, I think, at that time that legalized it. And we're like, you know, we really want to get married at home. We really want to get married with our you know, friends and family, blah, 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 you know, normal, normal, normal stuff. And five years later, I went, the hell with this. And she went, what? I said, let's go get married. And she went, what? And I went, let's just do this. If we're going to do it, let's just do it. I had proposed after a year. So it was a very, it was like five-year engagement later. I mean, I was just like, you know, because we had talked about it. We had talked about it. And I was like, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting for Florida to get off their ass and do what they should do. Let's let's just go, go get married. And then when Florida recognizes it, then Florida recognizes it. And she went, okay. And so I went through every single state because they were six or seven states that allowed it and I went to every single state and looked at their requirements because DC actually allowed it and we we're thinking about going to DC um, to do it but DC the problem was this time being that our kids were all still young we couldn't leave them for like a week and a half and with DC say you went in and put in requested your marriage you know your marriage license on Monday there was a three-day waiting period so you had to wait three full days after that so that meant you could pick up your marriage license on Friday and go get married but you had to have that waiting period so I mean I went through each state that it was possible in and I found that Connecticut believe it or not there was no waiting period there was no required blood test, and you did not have to have witnesses. 
So that means we didn't have to bring anybody. The only thing you had to have is an officiant. And so I found a nice little lady up in Connecticut. Um, and she was an officiant, but more so just our photographer. <laughs> so she took some pretty darn good pictures afterwards. Um, and we went to uh, a little town in um, Darren, Connecticut. We show up and I'm, I'm in a suit and tie and Renee's in her dress that she's made. And we go to um, the, the clerk of the court and the lady turns around and goes, oh, are you two getting married? And what does my smart ass say? Oh no, we dress like this all the time. We're just here for like trash schedules. Like <laughs> <laughs> just like me and went. And of course, Renee at that point, elbow went right in the arm. I was like, ow, I'm sorry. It was hard to resist. <laughs> So we got, I mean, we, we, you know, paid quote unquote half down for our, our marriage license. You have, you have to pay them like 20 bucks. And then when you bring it back after you get married and, you know, to get it actually officially certified and stamped and all that, then you pay them the, the rest of the fee. So it's kind of like you have to pay a down payment on it and then you pay it off when you get back. So we grabbed the, the marriage license. Um, went down to a wonderful little park that we had explored the day before um, that our officiant suggested. Um, and we found a, a cute little rock, uh, you know, probably hundreds year old bridge in the back woods area. And we went, this is perfect. And so that's where we got married. And we went back. She took it, she took the uh, marriage certificate back and signed it officially in front of them so they could witness it and they stamped it and approved it and said, here you go. Done. And then we flew home a couple days later. Yeah, it was just me, Renee, and Mary. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was super easy, super fast. You know, in a it's one of those Renee will get gig me about the the saying of the vows every time because we originally had said we want the shortest possible. Don't make me talk a lot. Okay, so I find the shortest possible. Do you take to be your lawfully wedded wife? Yes, I do. Do you? You know, very very simple. We've already said that, and I'm like, okay, we're in like Flynn, cool, we're good to go. And she went, okay, Amy, repeat after me. <laughs> Renee stops and she looks at me and she went, she just started laughing because I looked at Mary and I, my eyes got like the deer in the headlight, and I went, you mean I have to say more? <laughs> and she went, yeah, officially you do. And I went, oh, damn. This this is this is gonna get rough. I thought I was in. I was done. And she went, Nope, you got more to say. And I went, Oh crap. <laughs> Actually we didn't have a lot of issues. I mean, even you know, we're down here on the Redneck Riviera, you know, southern Alabama, whatever you want to call it. Um we 
we've had two occasions that I kind of re- remember that I kind of laugh at and go, okay. There was one we were going into Walmart years and years and years ago when we actually like shop there on a regular basis. Um, and there was uh, an older white gentleman pushing a cart and his wife was walking next to him holding a purse and they were walking down the aisle and Renee and I walk in. Of course, you know, we're like, uh, we're a couple, we're holding hands. It was no big deal. And we thought his head was about to pop off and like a total exorcist moment like totally crank you all the way around <laughs> and his wife turned around and took her purse and slapped him upside the head and went you need to look forward sir <laughs> I was like oh damn <laughs> I mean because it was very very apparent what was happening and then um, the second thing oddly enough we were in Mobile because we had never really gone to Mobile. So we drove over for a day just to kind of walk around, you know, downtown Mobile to see the sights and, you know, grab something to eat, you know, just kind of relax and, and kind of be a tourist. Um, we weren't even holding hands. We were probably walking about two feet apart, just walking down the sidewalk, just chatting, talking. And this older black man, he was probably in his like 60s, maybe early 70s, walking the opposite way. So he's walking towards us. He just gets past us and goes, oh, these goddamn gay people. <laughs> we both just kind of, I mean, because we were just talking and we were holding hands. There was nothing that he would have seen. <laughs> just stopped and like turned around and he's just shaking his head as he walks down the street and we're like I have no idea what the hell that was all about but that was actually really funny that's really it I mean over 14 years that's like okay everybody just kind of live and let live and just don't worry about it but then again we're not the militant type we're not the ones that are jumping up uh, up and down on statues and flag waving and you know armband wearing and all the other stuff that you see on tv or you've seen on tv in the past that's not us we just live our lives That was Amy Hayden Nost. My thanks to Amy for talking to me about her story. I'm glad to have her in the family. I'm glad that she and my sister Renee are so happy together. They are, they are made for each other. And uh, it's, it's nice that they've been together so long. I think she said they've been married 14 years. So thank you, Amy, for, for taking the time. That was great. Thanks, Amy. And we'll see you next time. I'm Rod. And I'm Flora. And this is Caterpillar Goo. Okay, now. If I can turn back time.
that's it? I don't know anything else. I made up the everything else. <laughs>